Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Christy Palmer for Female Startup Club. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Female Startup Club. I'm your host, June Roisin, and joining me on today's show is Christy Palmer. She's the co-founder of California's biggest cannabis company, Kiva Confections. What started out of desperation in 2010 with duo Christy and Scott Palmer has since grown into the best-selling edibles company in California a decade later. Christy bootstrapped her brand from her kitchen back when the landscape was very different and unregulated through to what it is today, a company with millions of dollars in venture capital funds, a huge team of 300 people, and almost a 1,000 dispensaries just in the state of California alone. Tune into this episode to hear about the journey and what it took to get started, some things you might not know about this industry, and what it's like today working in a highly regulated space. I also just want to take a moment to say that this is my 60th episode and I am so, so in disbelief at what we've managed to build in such a short space of time. Since the pandemic hit in March, I went full steam ahead with Female Startup Club and it's just been so crazy the last few months. So for everyone who's been here since the beginning or for any new ears who have found us recently, this is such a huge thanks from me. I love receiving your DMs and chatting with all the female entrepreneurs who are out there hustling to bring their dreams into a reality, both on the show and through my social media. You guys are just the absolute best, so thank you so much for always brightening my day. I also feel like this is a great time to give a shout out to our main sponsor, Clavio. You might have heard their ads in our episodes, but it's so important for me to mention their support for female-founded companies like myself and for you guys listening in. They're an email marketing provider whose mission is to support more female-founded brands, so definitely jump on their website and check out their product. It is so legit, and we've got tons of useful resources that are coming your way and resources that I'm consuming myself from their website. But I digress. Let's get stuck into this episode. This is Christy for Female Startup Club. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Christy. So happy to be here, Dune. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to learn about how you got into the CBD space. Um, obviously, now it's become such a huge industry. There's so many buzzy startups in the space, but you launched your brand 10 years ago. So I want to go back to that time and what you were doing before you launched your company. Yeah. So um, before we launched our company, uh, my husband and I, we met in photography school. And uh, <laughs> so from uh, photography to cannabis was quite a leap. But um, <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we met in photography school and um, we graduated in 2007 when the economy was not doing very well here in the States. And um, we, we needed to make ends meet. And so uh, we were trying to shoot weddings and hotels and food and restaurants, whatever we could to, um, to try to scrape by. But um, it still wasn't enough to pay the bills. And so uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, my husband's from San Diego. And uh, it's a bit more conservative in San Diego. But in the Bay Area, cannabis is like, you know, 
whatever, everything else, um, very culturally accepted here. And so we decided to start a backyard garden shed cultivation in the, um, it's in the, actually in the house that I grew up in. And so we set out to start growing flower and we quickly discovered that we weren't necessarily um, natural born indoor farmers. <laughs> so, um, but the great thing about those early days and having a cultivation was we learned about the cannabis industry. And so that got us into the dispensaries and um, really got us to understand a bit more about the culture, a bit more about the businesses that existed, the consumers that existed. And that's really where we saw the true opportunity in edibles. Um, and Kiva is an edibles, a cannabis infused um, edibles company. And so that's where we saw, ah, okay, that the real opportunity isn't in cultivation for us um, because, you know, we're not very good at that anyway. But um, the true opportunity lies in edibles. Um and the edibles then were just really unprofessional and they were, you know, they didn't look anything like they do today. So <laughs> a lot of opportunity there for us. And so in those early days, when you realized the backyard garden wasn't going to be the big thing, how did you actually get started making the edibles? Like, how do you know what to do? And do you need a license to sell them? Like, how does it work? Yeah. So back then, um, you did not need a license. In fact, so that was in 2010 and California only required you to have a license starting in 2018. So we went um, our first eight years without any real regulation or licensing. And we started in our, in our home kitchen. Um, I don't have culinary backgrounds, <laughs> but uh, we were, how do you say, desperate <laughs> to figure things out and try to find the next opportunity and make it work. So really Google, we joke uh, that the company was built on the back of Google. The school of Google. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just research. Love that school. <laughs> yeah. And, and my husband is a, um, he's a uh, son of two teachers. He's amazing. He's an amazing student. He can learn anything, um, give him a problem and um, a little bit of time and he can figure out a solution. So um, he really started digging in and uh, researching what would be really first we had to start with what would be the best medium for edibles. And at the time there were cookies and brownies and goldfish coated in THC. Um, so it really wasn't, um, there weren't many professional products on the market at that time. Like elevated products. Yeah, exactly. And everything, there was no testing, there was no labeling. You, you would see a, a brownie in saran wrap and it would say 10X. Right, and you're like, um, oh, I don't know what X is. X is a variable, <laughs> so how do I know I want ten of them? Feels pretty um, like mad scientist kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was very experimental back then. So we we knew from the get go, whatever products we came out with, they were going to have to be safe and trusted and tested. And so we eventually landed on chocolate because it's a very scalable medium. You can start with a teeny tiny little machine on your on your kitchen counter and you can go all the way up to like, you know, Hershey's where, you know, they make millions of pounds of chocolate um, every year. So chocolate's very scalable. And then really the product, um, the chocolate and the cannabis, they really marry well together. They're both products of the earth. They're both natural and chocolate's so disarming. Right. I don't 
think I know anybody who doesn't like chocolate. <laughs> and so it's a really nice kind of entry point into cannabis. It, it sort of takes a very familiar format and mixes it with an unfamiliar format to present something that's very friendly and welcoming and kind of easy to wrap your mind around if you've never used cannabis before. It sounds super delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Must have been lots of <laughs> lots of chocolate eating going on in your kitchen back in those oh days. Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> yes, lots of chocolate eating. Maybe lots of, <laughs> lots of buzzy chocolate eating, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was there any brands at that point who were doing that? Like, was there anyone to look to for guidance or did you have to make the blueprint for yourself? Yeah, at that time um, when we launched, there was one other uh, company that launched just about the same time. So it was really just the two of us that were doing kind of the same, um, a similar thing in that we were both uh, testing our products for potency, which was huge, right? That was that reliability and consistency component. So no, there wasn't a playbook. There wasn't um, any, any, anything really. It was very, (laughs) (laughs) we were very much um, trying to figure it out on our own. But in the confection space, that's where there's a lot of guidance and that component of the business in the early days, especially was huge. Just learning how to work with chocolate and that you can find online. But as far as how to start up a cannabis business, that information was a lot harder to come by. Um, Very few people, attorneys, consultants that you could call on. It was just such a small market in a depressed market, in an environment where it's not fully legal, especially at the federal level, but also at the state level, there just wasn't a great, uh, there wasn't regulation or laws um, to make people feel comfortable. So it ended up that everybody kind of hid away in the shadows a little bit, um, a little bit scared to kind of come out and declare who they were, what they did. Um, cause it wasn't the protections just really, um, they weren't as, uh, as good as they are today. Got it. And when you were in those early days, how did you start finding people who would buy your product and sort of flying under the radar to make sure that you weren't getting into any trouble and like big scale marketing? What, what was those early days of finding your customer? Yeah. So early days, um, one, one thing that gave us a, a really big leg up was having the cultivation um, got us into the dispensaries. And so then when we flipped over to chocolate, we had already established many relationships throughout the Bay Area. Um, so we had probably 60 doors that we were working with with the, oh, wow. um, with the cultivation. And so then uh, when we flipped to chocolate, we had relationships already established. That was huge. And I didn't realize how um, impactful or how fortunate we were to have those relationships until years and years later, looking back going, man, if you're a brand new brand in an industry, it can be very hard to get that first, second, 10th, 20th customer because people want to know, well, what's everybody else carrying, right? And you know, how are you doing in this store? How are sales here? So you really have to ask people to um, kind of come out on a limb with you and and meet you in the middle and trust you when you don't have a lot of um, prior experience. So that was really helpful. Also, uh, reaching our customers in store happened a lot by you know our, our end consumers, the, the final person that was going to be consuming the product. 
what was so important there was I think our packaging. There wasn't any other way really to communicate in store. And if there was, we didn't have the money to do it. And so what we led with was product. So we made the most beautiful package that we could. We thought long and hard. We're very methodical and meticulous about the placement of the information on the package. We worked with a great graphic design team who we went to them and said, Hey, we need a, we need a package and a logo. And they said, no, you need a brand. And we were like, Oh, you're right. We do need a brand because <laughs> a brand is so much more than a package, right? It, it knows what it stands for. Um, and in our case, it was going to be trust and um, professionalism. And it was going to, to really help a new consumer feel like we had put the time and attention into these products, um, right? That we had their back, that we weren't going to uh, give them 10Xs, <laughs> but that we were going to give them a consistent experience. So I think with having a beautiful package and a consistent, reliable product, that led to um, a lot of word of mouth for us. And so people would tell their friends or the, um, the dispensary staff would try the products and like them. And so then they would recommend them. So it took a while um, for things to really catch on. But yeah, word of mouth, I think, was, was huge for us. Did that then start the kind of D2C side of the brand and people buying through your website directly? So we actually don't have any D2C um, sales as of this moment. We're working on it. But um, our primary channel, our only channel has been through the dispensaries. So people would contact us and say, hey, can I buy direct from you or can I buy in bulk from you? Um, But the answer was always, unfortunately, no, they had to go straight to the dispensaries. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that when I was on the website digging around. I guess unless you're going through the checkout process, you you don't realize. But I'm sure you have such demand now, especially to launch that side of the business. Yeah, exactly. And regulations in a place where we can do that now. Mm, Okay, right. Got it. It wasn't that we couldn't do it before. So now it's, um, you just have to get a license for that um, component of your business. So you can easily kind of tack it on if you want. Um, Whereas before it was, honestly, it was probably just too much for us as a small business to try to manage um, another sales channel such as DTC. That's, that's, I think, um, more accurate even than regulation. Mm. How much does it cost to get the regulation to sell direct? Um, you know, the license for that is depends on how much volume you're going to do, but um, an educated guest might be around $50,000. Wow. So it's, it's still a, a steep investment for sure. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I want to talk about the early beginnings when you guys were talking about, you know, you, you needed to leave photography, you needed to leave that creative field, you were desperate to make money. How much did it cost to like get started? Did you have to buy the machine for your kitchen to make the chocolate? Did you have to, did you have any really big costs that you needed startup capital for? Yeah. So we were able to really start on a shoestring, which was great. Um, <laughs> which is really great. Uh, we did end up borrowing from, um, from Scott's dad about $36,000 when we were all said and done. The great thing about borrowing from Scott's dad, Bill, was he was like a really great investor <laughs> because he, um, he made us tell him why we needed the money. He didn't just say, all right, here's your $36,000 check. Best of luck. It was like, we would call him and say, Hey, we, um, we need to order more labels. Oh, you need to order more labels. Why do you need to do that? Well, because we sold out of all the product that we've been making and now we're ready to order more. Or we need to order more chocolate or a bigger machine. And actually a huge part of that, um, of that 36,000 went to a chocolate machine, um, that we used to scale. 
So our first piece of equipment, I don't know, it was like 1500 bucks. It was, you know, it did like 10 pounds at a time and we could do like 92 bars every two hours. Then the new machine um, came and allowed us to scale. It did like four times as much. Um, so that really was a, was a, um, a breakthrough moment for us. And it took to about, uh, it's probably like month three of our, um, in our startup there, uh, startup phase that, uh, we purchased that machine. So we, we kind of limped along for the first two or three months trying to get a good proof of concept before we went out and spent that amount of money on a machine like that. Mm, for sure. And I guess you would have needed to have made sure that the stores were ordering, you know, in bulk to the point where you're really tipping that scale and it's not possible to keep going on the current machine that you had. Yes. And that's the best, that's the best feeling. It's the worst feeling and the best feeling when you're like, okay, we need a scale. I know we need to invest in a piece of equipment, but it's expensive. When do we do it? And there's been a few points in our history where, um, if we don't meet demand, you know, that's how, you know, you need to make an investment is because all of a sudden um, you're suffering. Your business is suffering because you can't make the demand. So that's a great, that's like, oh, okay, perfect. We're missing out on sales. We're missing out on revenue because we can't meet the demand of our customers. That's an excellent time to reinvest. Mm, yeah, for sure. And in those times, how did you then get the financing to be able to make those bigger you know, investments into product development or into the new machinery and that kind of thing? Yeah. In the early days, especially, we grew really slowly. And the, the cannabis industry was at a place where you couldn't really grow too quickly because of a lack of licensing and a lack of access to capital. Um, the cannabis industry is saddled with the problem that we can't get access to traditional banking because we're not federally legal. So, uh, you know, a, a line of credit or um, a loan for working capital has never been an option for the cannabis industry. So slow growth. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really, it's really, um, it hamstrings the industry big time. Um, but there's been a lot of attention put on that problem. And so hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll change. Um, maybe not this year, but in the next couple of years, perhaps. So, um, yeah, that traditional channel of capital never existed. So most businesses at that time did grow very slowly. So we relied pretty heavily on our own cash flow. I would say for the first, many years. We didn't take on investment until um, 2016. So for the, um, or I'm sorry, 2018. So for the first eight years, it was just, you know, we wanted that big shiny machine that was going to help us grow. Okay. We had to save and save and save and save and save. Uh, we were able to get a loan for a piece of equipment and finance it, not through traditional channels, but through uh, more expensive channels. So you just end up having to pay, you know, more interest or whatever it is on that piece of equipment um, than you'd like to, or that, uh, you know, another business in um, confections might have to pay. So that, that always is um, in the cannabis industry, even a little bit of a hard, a hard point is, um, you know, you have to, it's sometimes a bit more expensive, sometimes a bit more difficult. You're not always treated like a regular old business. And that's what we, we've been wanting to have uh, <laughs> have done or be treated like a regular old business for a long time. For sure. It's a hard chocolate to swallow <laughs> in that scenario. <laughs> yes. 
And what was your experience like when you did go out to raise capital? I know you've raised a significant amount of money now. And I'm wondering in 2018, obviously the landscape has significantly changed from 2010 to 2018. There's a lot of press. It's all kind of becoming an industry that's really buzzy, really, you know, so many startups in that space. What was your experience like going through that process? Yeah. um, So raising capital, we were, we were fortunate that we were able to wait as long as we did. And the the longer you can wait, it's not, not always the case, but um, in our case, in our unique case, the longer we waited, the more successes we had under our belt, the bigger our company got, and then the kind of the better your story gets. You have more data, you have more wins. So you have a little bit more leverage um, on your side. So we were fortunate to be able to wait until 2018. And we had been we had been meeting with investors and collecting contacts for years. I'd say really since since we started, if somebody called and said, I'm interested in investing, we'd kind of say, you know, we're not really looking right now, but happy to have a conversation. So um, that was really great especially in the early days, it got us practicing our pitch in an environment when we didn't need the money. <laughs> and so that's a really a nice time to practice your pitch when you don't need the money. Very clever. <laughs> yeah, you can be um, a little more candid, a little more picky. A little more bold. Yeah, a little more bold, exactly. So that really uh, that was really helpful. And when we went to raise money, it was just looking through our past contacts and deciding who was a really great fit. And we, by that point in time, had a good list of folks that we knew from the industry and, um, and had built a relationship with over the years. And so we could pull on that list. But um, and, and the moment when um, we knew we needed investment was when the industry went legal. And so 2017... We had about 1,200 stores that we were working with, different um, dispensary channels. Yeah, so it was great. California was a a huge market. Um, And then uh, January 1st, 2018, you wake up in the morning. That's the first day of licensing, first day of regulated market. There were only 10 customers, 10 dispensaries that had licenses. And we had a license as well. And when you're licensed, you can only work with other licensed stores. So it was like... So from 1,200 to 10? Yes. What? Oh my God, that's crazy. It was crazy. So it felt like free fall. You know, you're like, whoa, what's happening? And everybody was um, so excited about the California market. What's it going to be like? It's going to be huge. Colorado was huge. But it just, the way California did their regulations and their licensing, it just took time for dispensaries to get licensed. So over time now, fast forward, we're two and a half years um, from that moment, there's about seven to 800 um, stores. So we still haven't gotten up to where we were back in the day, but those have built up over time. So that's when we kind of looked at each other and we went, oh, we need a safety net. We can't just weather the storm of regulation um, with cash flow because here we are (laughs) on January 1st and the cash flow is um, hindered temporarily right now. 
So that was the moment we were like, okay, we need to go out and get a little nest egg here, or get a little war chest built up. And um, that way we can weather any issues that come our way. And then we also really needed to hire. We needed to build out the team and get folks along with us that had experience and talent and could um, help us build the business in this new environment. Mm, yeah, gosh, wow. That must have been such a an interesting time to be trying to grow the business whilst also being a few steps back as an industry. Yeah. Where is the brand today? Like how big is your team? What's what's the positioning of the brand at the moment? Yeah. So um, the team is about uh, just over 300 and that includes... Um... Whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. It's... Um... It's crazy. It's super exciting. And it's it's so fun and challenging at the same time to build out a team, but it takes a lot of practice. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the other benefits of growing slowly in the beginning is um, being able to practice and hire some, um, learn a lot from the hires that you make, um, especially when you're small. The, the people you hire to take you from A to B are different from the people that you'll hire to take you from B to C and so on. So hiring the right folks then really helps you build out your teams. And with people that have experience and talent in their area, um, they can really work to build out professional teams that are efficient, operate and deliver the goals. So yeah, super exciting. But um, yeah, and your other question was around the positioning. So um, yeah, today really our positioning... um, remains pretty much consistent with where we started. There is still a strong need. We haven't um, fully fulfilled the goal of providing, you know, the best possible um, edibles to consumers. And I say that because there's so many channels and there's so much more innovation and um, different types of products, different types of cannabinoids. So um, the primary one that we are using is THC. Um, But CBD is also in our lineup. Um, We just launched a product with CBN. And so we're looking for new types of cannabinoids, new effects for consumers, um, new mediums. We just launched, um, it's been about a year and a half now that we, since we launched our gummy. And then we have a new product line coming um, this fall. So we're always looking for new mediums as well that um, people will find interesting and, and looking for that kind of next popular product category. So it's still all about consistency, product quality, um, giving people the same amount of THC in every dose, and then having fun too, I think is really important um, to remember people, your consumers are excited by that. I think when, when you're having fun doing your job and running the company and coming up with new products, people can sense that. It, it comes through in the package it comes through in the social media posts it definitely does (laughs) yeah right that level of enthusiasm and excitement and people want to be part of want to be part of that so um keeping it fun keeping it light um is i think also part of the positioning too Mm, absolutely i want to talk about your marketing team and how you market directly to a wholesale crowd versus how you would market to obviously D to C, the direct consumer. Um, But just quickly before we start on that, I was reading a report the other day and it was talking about like the biggest trends 
on the internet at the moment. And I read that one of the number one trends was sleep gummies. Um, (laughs) So good for you guys. (laughs) Yes, I can confirm that we just launched a sleep gummy like a few months ago and it became our top seller. Nice. (laughs) That's so cool. So cool. Um, yes. So going back to your marketing team, how do they market to wholesale distributors in the US versus how you would usually market to a customer? Yeah. So we do two types of marketing. We do the to the, uh, to the dispensary customer and then also to the end consumer. So to that wholesaler, aside from making our, our products and our confections, we also are a distributor. So we have a direct line to the customer, to the, the buyer, the retail buyer. Um, Got it. And that's hugely helpful, hugely helpful. And those are customers, you know, that we built with our own two hands back with the cultivation. Um, some of them have been with us as long as that. Um, others are new and um, are still emerging. The market is still growing. But um, I think one way that we've really been able to stand out is uh, we have a reputation for quality. So that is, it goes back to the, you know, the, the question you had around the early days and how did you stand out in the early days? That is like the backbone of the company is the product and is the quality and the fact that you can rely on that no matter what is going on in the industry or <laughs> with COVID in the world, right? A Kiva bar will always taste like a Kiva bar, will always deliver the same effect and experience to the consumer. So that's really huge in our being able to break through to the retail channel is when we um, call a new dispensary or get an introduction and they find out that we're Kiva, they're like, oh, okay, sure. I'll take a phone call or, you know, oh, I've tried your gummies or I've tried your mints. Sure. We'll have a meeting. So um, we get a lot of doors opened for us with our time in the market, that reputation component. But then we're also coming out with cool new stuff all the time. And I think that is extremely important. People want new and people want fresh and exciting. And even our employees, I, even myself, I'm like, what are we working on next? Right? Like, let's do something <laughs> new. <laughs> it's just like human nature. We want, we want, um, we're curious and we want something new and different and fresh. So um, that's really huge is people, um, the product line doesn't get stale. And so when we, even when we have a new customer, they're like, okay, you know, I've tried the bars and I've tried the gummies, but what else are you guys working on? And so that's a, to be able to answer that question, talking about new brands and new products or new flavors or whatever it is exciting that you've got going on that, um, that shows that consumer that you're serious and you're professional and you're ready to innovate and invest in your own brand. Mm, For sure. How exciting. It all sounds so cool. You said something earlier that I realized I don't actually know the answer to, What do you mean when you say it's all based on THC and what is the difference between THC and CBD? Such a good question. Yes. Okay. So THC is the psychoactive component in cannabis. So that's what's going to give you that traditional high. CBD is known as the lesser or non-psychoactive cannabinoid in the cannabis plant. Um, So that's what gives you a more um, more of a calming, soothing effect. It doesn't you know get the wheels turning. It doesn't give give you a head high in the same way that THC does. Um, so that's a 
what a lot of folks end up using as like an entry point into cannabis is CBD. It's also known for its um, anti-inflammatory, anti-seizure. So CBD is um, became very popular probably about five to six years ago when um, a young girl had uh, seizures. And so it, it's great for um, helping suppress seizures. And so that's really what wow. um, gave CBD popularity. And THC, THC is popular basically for that, um, for that high. And that's, that's what gives you a, um, like, you know, a change in, in headspace and, um, a change in mood and, um, some psychoactivity can be connected to that if that's the effect that you're looking for. And you consume, um, an amount that would give you that type of activity. Got it. And so the other cannabinoid CBN, that's where you're seeing, um, in the sleep gummy realm, CBN is, is great for sleep. And you only need like a little dabble, do ya? You don't need a lot or okay. very groggy. <laughs> you'll be sleeping for like the next day. Um, so a little goes a long way, but that's becoming really popular. You're seeing a lot of new brands launch um, CBN products. So I think that's going to be um, a really popular product category for the foreseeable future. Mm, yeah. Wow. I, I actually never heard of that before. Does that mean if you guys wanted to launch, you know, globally and expand to new regions, you're not allowed to because you use THC? Yes. I know in London there's loads of CBD, you know, there's the drugstore now which sells CBD products. It's very, um, I mean, it's all regulated. You can buy everything over here. But I hadn't heard that you could buy THC products. Yes, you're exactly right. So THC is is not legal in most countries. Um, and if it is, it's usually only legal for medical use. Like in, even here in the States, it's not legal for either. Um, yet it is legal in the state of California um, or in the state of Massachusetts or Michigan. Um, it's not even fully legalized in New York, for example. So each state has its own set of rules and regulations um, if they have any at all. And so in order to, to get your product into the state of uh, Massachusetts, you have to make it in that state as well. So oh, we have to okay. set up a whole new facility um, in that state. And that's how businesses are expanding. Um, so it's labor intensive. It's expensive. It's, uh, it's not the most efficient way. It would be far more efficient just to ship it across the state <laughs> to another state like we do chocolate and every other type of um, <laughs> product here. But um, unfortunately, the, the laws don't allow for that. So it makes expanding into other markets definitely more difficult. It's like starting mm. a new business in each state that you want to be in. Yeah. And it sounds like you would face such a unique set of challenges being in a space that's just naturally regulated, naturally has red tape around marketing on, you know, platforms like Facebook and and things like that, that other businesses wouldn't think of. And I guess you'd also have to be like really committed to joining that industry to move past those kinds of challenges that I'm sure you have. Yes. Yes. And that's, it's, I'm so glad you bring that up because I think the people in the cannabis industry who um, work in the cannabis industry as well are very passionate and they love the plant. They feel a connection to cannabis. They feel like 
they're stewards of the plant um, and that they have to help normalize and get the word out there. Um, so yeah, you get a very passionate group of people for sure. I bet. Wow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Lots of characters, I'm sure. Oh, tons. <laughs> <laughs> what advice do you have for women who have a big idea and want to launch a business either in a unique space, um, something like yourself or just in general? Yeah, I think, um, go for it. Definitely, definitely jump in with both feet, do a lot of planning. I think there's, uh, there's no shortage of, um, preparation and planning that you can do. There's so much to think about and to, uh, to execute on when you're running a business that taking a breath and taking some time to plan and think about what you're trying to do on a bigger scale, making sure that you have your ideas in order and you have a, um, I think just really a business plan for yourself is super important, but it's, I think it's also really good to do the planning, but then you got to just go with it. Right. (laughs) See where it takes you. (laughs) You could plan as much as you want, but then life happens. Right. So you have to be able to kind of roll with the punches and, um, and feel comforted and supported by the fact that you did do the planning and you thought it through and you thought of all these different scenarios and now you're in, you know, real life and you've got to be able to um, think on your feet and be fluid. So I think it's, it's super exciting to, to start a business. It's a ton of work, but you know, you get to essentially make your own schedule sort of, you're sort of like always on the clock, (laughs) but um, it can be so rewarding. So I say, yes, do it, get going and do it. Absolutely. Jump right in. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. We're up to the six quick questions part of the interview. Question number one is what's your why? So I think, um, why do we start Kiva Confections was to, um, to create a better edible experience for consumers, to change the way that people think about, um, cannabis and, as growing up in the Bay Area, that was really important for me, was to um, destigmatize cannabis and let people know, you know, it's not that bad. It's just pot, right? Like, <laughs> it's just pot. People smoke it. They get friendly and happy. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> so I think um, definitely my why is uh, to normalize and, um, and change the way people think about cannabis. Mm, absolutely. And I think the stigma thing is such a big thing that needs to to be worked on. I had a really cool conversation with the founder of Gossamer Magazine and what she's doing around breaking down those stigmas and especially stigmas around people of color um, and the treatment of people of color who smoke, who smoke weed. Um, it's, it's an important one to focus on in the bigger picture for sure. Yes. Yes, there's a lot being done with social equity in California right now, and it's um, it's refreshing. It's really good to see um, that, that that's part of the conversation now. Mm, absolutely. Question number two is: What do you think's been the number one marketing moment that's made your business pop? Oh yes, um, very very early days. We did a trade show in San Jose. It was the beginning of the cannabis industry, and you could basically do almost whatever you wanted, um, at that trade show. And it got us in front of lots of people 
And it really taught me how to talk about the products. And um, it was a great proof of concept for Scott and I to, to talk directly to the consumer because remember we were selling to the dispensaries. So we didn't ever really get to one-on-one talk with consumers. So that was amazing to be able to talk to them and ask them questions about what they were looking for or what they liked about the products, what brought them over to the booth, for example. Um, And it was amazing. We had the best experience. We sold out of all the product that we brought with us. We stayed up all night long making more. And we left that trade show with $5,000. And we thought, oh my God, like, do people make more money than $5,000? Like, are we, can we retire? I mean, we were like so jazzed by that and it built so much confidence. That was huge. Just feeling like, yes, okay. People like us, right? We're we're doing something good. You're finding your people. It was so great. Like it, it was awesome. So yeah, that was the best early days marketing experience for sure. Really cool. Amazing. Um, Question number three is, where do you hang out to get smarter? Ooh, yes. So I love hanging out with um, the Kiva team. I love going to conferences, reading the news, hanging out with my husband. He's super smart. But I think where I probably get the most benefit is really from the Kiva team. Um, Having had assembled this incredible group of people, I'm learning from them every single day. Um, When we sit in meetings and we're having conversations or we're on the phone, um, whatever the case may be, it's when you've hired folks like we've hired, you kind of need to sit back and let them do their thing. (laughs) Let them do what you hired them to do. And so it's really refreshing and really fun to listen and learn from those folks. And I learn something new from the Kiva team like all the time. And it's, it's so fun. I, that's one of the most rewarding parts of the job is, um, is, is working with amazing people and we have 300 of them. So. Wow. That's so special. That sounds so nice. Love that. (laughs) Love that for you. Um, question number four is how do you win the day? And that's around your personal AM and PM rituals that keep you feeling successful and happy and motivated, um, and productive. Yes. Um, eat breakfast. I love making sure I (laughs) have to eat breakfast or I won't last very long. Um, and I just had a baby not too many, uh, not too many months ago. So, um, eat breakfast with the baby now. Um, So that's a super fun way to start our day. And the other one I love to do is take a walk. Um, Late in the evening after the baby goes to sleep, I love to put my headphones on, listen to an awesome podcast such as yours and cruise around the neighborhood and um, just clear my head, focus on something else other than work or um, you know, the stresses of being home and having a baby or whatever it is, it's just a really nice time to unwind and, you know, the neighborhood's quiet and yeah, I love taking an evening walk. It's the best. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to do that after this podcast, <laughs> go, go out for a nice stroll. You've sold it to me. <laughs> Question number five is if you only had a thousand dollars left in your business bank account, where would you spend it? Uh, yes. Payroll. 
<laughs> I don't know if you'd get far with 300 staff. <laughs> I know, right? Everyone gets a dollar. Um, <laughs> uh, payroll is huge. Without the team, like you would come to a screeching halt. Um, if for some miracle, $1,000 paid everybody, the next thing would be ingredients to make gummies. Gummies are our biggest movers and our most popular products. So um, it would definitely be buying materials to make the product because without that, you're coming to a screeching halt. So yeah, definitely that. Gummies, everyone, check out the gummies. (laughs) (laughs) Question number six is how do you deal with failure? And that can be around a personal experience that you've had or just your mindset and approach. So with failure, uh, I cry (laughs) and uh, I complain. Um, but really I like to, um, I like to air out my failures, um, you know, like dirty laundry. (laughs) I like to, to talk to family and friends, um, about failures. I feel like it helps, um, helps me process them. And, um, and it, I think it's nice when you can talk to somebody, they can, they can make suggestions or they can give you advice or just listen and that I think helps process. And I think failure is a necessary evil. We learn so much from failure, right? That's why it's so great. It's so bad and good and polarizing and just intense failure because you know you're learning a lesson. You just wish you already knew it, right? Like, damn, I wish I just had that intrinsic knowledge already. But the only way to get that is is to get in there and do it yourself and learn those hard lessons. And those are the best. When you fail, those are the best lessons. You're like, oh, yep, that one is ingrained. I don't even have to write it down because it's yeah. burned. <laughs> I got my- this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will never forget this um, because it's burnt into your psyche. So um, yeah, I think failure can be really painful, but it's so, so valuable. So, you know, I think it's, it's important to be thankful that you have the opportunity to fail. Um, cause that means you're out there, you're putting yourself out there, you're taking risks, you're living your life. Um, but sometimes that comes with, um, with a little bit of failure. Ain't that the truth? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christy, that was so cool. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today and taking the time to talk me through your business and how you've been growing over the last 10 years into such a huge team. Thank you, Dion. It was a pleasure to be here. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey it's june here thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the female startup club podcast if you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mm-hmm.